you, everyone. And thank you, Pastor Sean and Enid. I'm telling you, I am so excited about being here this morning. You just cannot imagine the anticipation and the excitement that I have this morning about being here for many reasons. For one, this is my church. This is my home church. This is my family and everything. And so I'm excited about that, but also I'm excited to get to close out campus days. I've never gotten to do that before. Um, My husband, Pat, he started uh, the services out Friday night, and it was just an amazing night. If you were not able to be here, uh, you need to get that message. You need to go online, listen to it on podcast. You will be changed forever. He spoke about being tangled and all the things that have entangled us through our life and how we need to get untangled to come into God's presence and how everything just falls off of us at that moment. So I'm excited that I get to do part two of that, but also and be praying for him today because he is in Indiana and everything. I wrote down in my notes because I forget everything. I'm so ADD. So I wrote down, you know, tell him that he's in Ohio. He's not there. He's in Indiana. I know where my husband is. So (laughs) I know how to get in touch with him. That's all that matters. (laughs) But I am excited to be here. We had uh, speakers speaking yesterday that just blew it up, that just did a phenomenal job. Uh, Many of you remember Danny and Trisha Thayer, who are ministering in Tennessee. He was here, and he spoke yesterday morning. And then last night, uh, Jeremy Bosma and his wife, Lindsay, if you'll stand, uh, they were here, and they spoke last night. They are just amazing youth pastors out in Vegas. And uh, Jeremy, for a time, also led our school of ministry. He did what Alex does. And so, um, and then Alex took it from there, and um, they have all just done an amazing job. But I do want to thank a few people. I just want to thank Alex. Where's Alex at? Did he leave? Oh, okay. I just want to thank Alex. I've got the bright lights on so I can see my message. But um, just want to thank Alex. He has worked very hard. He runs this school so amazingly, and he worked very hard putting campus days together, and we just want to thank him for that and the whole team. That did that. They're just phenomenal. We couldn't do what we do without them. But also, I just want to thank Pastor Sean and Enid because without them, we couldn't have done this this weekend. They are the dearest friends of ours, and we just love them. You are so blessed to have them as your pastors. And so, also, I want to thank you because you are our family. And I want to thank you as we got launched back onto the road that you took us on as your missionaries, and you've supported us. You've supported us financially. You've supported us in in every way, but more than anything, you've supported us with your prayer and going with us out there, taking us and sending us out into the world, and we just appreciate you so much. But I'm excited this morning because I was surprised this weekend. Well, I mean, I have to say that because it was supposed to be a surprise, but our family doesn't do surprises well. They know that I don't handle surprises well, so... Nate and Nate came into town this weekend just to be here for campus days and to be here this morning for me. And so I just want to recognize my son and how amazing he is and how much I love him. And he has his wonderful, beautiful, gorgeous girlfriend with him this morning, Adrian. And so they are just amazing. I'm just glad to have them. And also this morning, my daughter is in the back, Abby, because she told me this morning she would be so devastated if she couldn't be in the service this morning. So, I mean, how can you say no to that? But, um, but she's back in the back. But I just want you to know that I am so excited about this message. I don't think I've ever been this excited about sharing what God has 
for the church as I am this morning. You see, as I was studying last night, I went in to study, and, you know, like I always do before I go to preach and everything, and I usually just go in and I go right into the Word and right into studying. But last night as I went into study, God just knocked me to my knees, and He just put me on my face, and He just impressed on me just to start crying out to Him. And He spoke to my heart, and He says, Karen, I need for you to be undone. I need for you to get into my presence because it's not about how detailed this word is. It's not about how well you can present this word. It's not about any of those things. It's about the condition of my people's hearts. That's what it's about. And God just knocked me to my knees and said, I need you to speak from my heart, not just the words you wrote down on paper. And so I want you to be prepared today because I truly believe if you get this word that your life will be changed. You see, I want you to get ready because God wants to undo some people today. He wants to undo you. I want you to understand that I do normally speak to women at women's conferences and all fun and, and, you know, all of those things, but I'm not just speaking to the women this morning. I'm speaking to men and women in this room. I'm speaking to the body. This word is a word for the house today, not just for women, not just for anyone else. It's for the house. And so I want to continue on from what my husband did on Friday night and for what Jeremy and Danny did yesterday. And see, God wants to bring you to a place of being undone today. And you see, there is a door here today that God wants you to walk through. He wants you to walk through. And when you walk through in your spirit, he wants you just to be in awe of his presence. You see, for so long, my heart's cry is, God, I want to be undone. I want to just be lost in your presence. Make me what you want me to be. When you get done with me, don't let there be anything of me left behind to get in the way. Because I'm going to get in the way. My flesh will get in the way of what God wants to do. My selfish desires will get in the way of what God wants to do in my life and what he wants to use me to do in other people's life. You see, there is a doorway of freedom here today for you. And God says, I want you to walk out free. I want you to walk out in victory. I want you to walk out in victory and in power and in authority that you have never had before. I want you to walk out knowing who you are today. That is what God wants. You see, where you realize that outside of God, I'm nothing. You see, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God and leading everybody around you to his throne room. That's what it's about. You see, I'm talking about a face-to-face encounter today with God. I'm talking about not just what you hear anymore, but when you experience it. You see, 2 Corinthians, if you'll bring that up for me. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we who are with unfelled faces all reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You see, I want to be transformed in His presence. If I'm going to go into His presence and not be changed, then why go? You see, I want when I walk into God's presence that I'm going to leave differently than the way I went in. Because, see, I'm looking for change in my life. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stay the same. I don't want to live the same old life that I've always lived. You see, I am sick and tired of being normal. I want to be transformed in his presence. I want my selfish flesh to die so that Christ can live inside of me. You see, I've got to have everything inside of me move aside to make room. 
for him. You see, the theme of our campus days has been undone. So I want to share along that line. If you'll give me a few minutes, and I promise I'll try not to be too windy. But I want to follow along that line for campus days of being undone. You see, Isaiah 6, 1 6, 1 through 4 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. I am undone. For I am a man or woman of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with the live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. I want God to touch my lips. I want his presence to be on my lips. You see, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Send me. Here I am. You see, that's what I want. I want to get to a place where nothing I desire matters anymore. You see, he said, I am ruined. I am undone. In the Hebrew, that word means damam. To be dumb, silent, to fail or perish, to destroy, to cease, to be cut off, to to be cut down, to be brought to silence, to be utterly reduced. You see, I want God to bring me to a place where there is nothing left of me but him. Nothing left of my flesh. You see, my goal today is to preach about being in a state of living undone. Ruined in his presence. You see, I'm convinced that so many times we we just want God to visit us, to visit our house. We don't need a visitation from God. We need an inhabitation of God. I want him. I'm wanting to say, God, come live with me. Come take residence with me. Don't just visit me because that means he leaves. Live with me. Take up residence. Move in with me. Move all your stuff. Move everything in with me. Live with me. You see, we all want to experience the fire of God. That's all we hear across the nation. Fire of God fall. Fire of God fall. But so many times the problem is we're talking about the cozy little comforting fire that we find around the fireplace where we can curl up in a little blanket and just be comfortable. I don't want a cozy little comforting fire. I want an all-consuming fire to engulf me and to transform me into something bigger than myself. I want that all-consuming fire. But we have made church so comfortable that people are falling asleep next to the fire. And there's no change. You see, God says, I didn't call you to be comfortable. The fire needs to be dangerous. The fire needs to produce change in people's life. You see, my focus today is not on the angels crying holy. That's all wonderful. That's all great. It's not on the glory of the throne room in all its glory and all its beauty. It's not on even the shaking of the threshold, which is so cool. But my focus today is on Isaiah, on his response to the presence of God. You see, can I just be transparent with you today? So many times in my life I have felt out of place. I don't fit in. You know, so many times I just feel so out of place. And this is a message for everyone in this room who has felt out of place at times, who felt like you just didn't belong. 
For that person who you've heard the shouts of the worshipers, you have felt the beating of the bass drum when it's playing, you've watched the twirling of the banners, you experienced the jumping in the service, but there had to be something more. There had to be something more. You see, for that person who you felt like if you could just stop everything, you felt like you might just be able to hear God's voice, that you might just be able to hear him calling your name that you might be able to just to get a glimpse of his glory. You see, don't get me wrong. I love all the excitement. I love, otherwise we wouldn't do youth conventions and youth camps and everything. I love the excitement. I love the energy in the room. I love the, the dancing and the excitement and the singing and the shouting. The Bible says if we don't cry out, the rocks will cry out in our place. So I'm not saying that because God loves that. But sometimes I just want to hear him. Sometimes I just want to hear him say, Karen. Sometimes I don't care what he's doing in everybody else. Sometimes I just want to hear him say, I love you. And see, that's where I want to be, in a place where I can hear his voice. See, God is calling the church back to, I believe, to secret encounters and passionate glances with the Father. You see, I believe he is calling us to a deeper place. He simply wants to take his children in his arms and say, you're going to be okay. You're going to be just fine. You see, sometimes, even when Nate was growing up as a little boy, and Abby now, you know, sometimes they just need to hear Daddy say, you're going to be okay. When they're overwhelmed, or when they're scared, or when they're, it's going to be okay. But you know what? Nothing else satisfies except the, the Father's voice at times. I can encourage him. I can do all of that. But when Pat walks in, there's an authority that comes with him that says it's going to be okay. You see, that's what we need sometimes. You see, what if in this room we didn't just show up today to fulfill an obligation of our week? What if we didn't just show up to say, I might can mark that off my calendar. I went to church today. You see, what if, we, what if God showed up and invaded this room today? Did you come expecting that today? Did you come expecting to see him today? Or did you come expecting just to fulfill an obligation? What if Jesus walked into this room and passed by you and touched you exactly where you hurt the most? What if God came into this room today and met you right where you are? Can I tell you he did? He's already here. He was waiting on you to get here this morning. He didn't show up late and say, well, I think I'll show up at the summit today. He was going, I hope they come today. You see, what if in this service, when you leave today, that you don't care about who you can beat to the restaurant or getting home to have that anointed nap that, trust me, I need the nap in the afternoon. But what if we didn't care about any of those things or worrying about work tomorrow or worrying about getting the kids ready for school, but we actually found that secret place with God and said, here I am. What now? What do you want from me, God? Knowing him, hearing his voice. You see, that's where Pat and I are right now in our walk with him. That's where Pat and I and our family is right now with our our walk with God. We are done with normal. I am so done with the normal. I am sick and tired of seeing the same old thing and just saying, oh, well, we had a nice service. I'm so tired of that, tired of not seeing supernatural miracles take place. Either we believe it or we don't. Either we believe that God heals or we don't. Either we believe that he can set us free or we don't. You see, I am tired of the normal, not for the sake of seeing miracles. Miracles are not for you and me. 
They're for the unbelievers so that they will come to know a real and living Savior. You see, I am tired of us walking around professing a, a, a religion that we don't even believe half the time. You see, I'm tired, not for the sake of seeing just services and miracles, but so that this generation can take their sweet little Jesus off their sweet little necklaces and put him back onto the throne of their life as the warrior that he is. You see, I want to see what we see sometimes on the road where the church is not us, are so hungry by the time that we get there that an entire front row goes slain in the spirit in God's presence, that deaf ears are opened, that scars on the arms of cutters disappear in the presence of God. That's what I want to see. That's what I desire to see every single day, not just in church on Sunday. You see, I'm ready to see miracles. And why do we act as if it's not even normal? We act as if, oh my goodness, look what God did. When we should have already been expecting that. We should have already known he could do that. And he wants to do that in our lives. You see, 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No one's ever seen or heard anything like this. Never so much as imagined anything quite like this. What God has arranged for those that love him. You see, God says, I have so much in store for you that you can't even imagine the blessings that I have for you. He's already given us our victory. Second Corinthians 2.14 says, and I got it. Thank God. In the Messiah, in Christ, God leads us from place to place in a perpetual victory parade. He said, I've already prepared the celebration. I'm just waiting on you to get there. I'm just waiting for you to see it, to recognize it. I want to take you on a journey to encounter God today. I want to take you on that journey. I want to give you five steps to being undone. Can I do that this morning? Can I take you five steps to being undone? The first place, and you need to write it down, is the place of frustration. I love and hate that place. I have a love-hate relationship with my walk because God can never really do anything in me until I get to the end of myself. And it takes becoming frustrated to get you there. You see, Isaiah was frustrated and desperate. He had nowhere to turn. His mentor, his friend, his cousin, the king, had died. Worse than that, the king died from his own pride. You see, pride will kill you from the inside out. It kills your marriages. It kills your relationship with your kids. It kills your influence with people. It begins to cause decay in your bones, and it will destroy you. You see, Isaiah had served the king, his cousin, his best friend, his protection, his identity was in King Uzziah. He had not discovered who he was yet. You see, he had always reiterated just what King Uzziah had told him to say. He had just reiterated what King Uzziah said he had saw. You see, he was a scribe. He was the king's personal secretary, but the king just died. You see, he became frustrated at that point. Now he had to find God on his own. Now he had to see God for himself. No secondhand information. It had to become personal now. I don't know about y'all, but I have to have a GPS in my car because I am directionally challenged. 
and I can get lost going to the convenience store or while in the convenience store and have to set off the alarm on my car to find my car when I come out. And, you know, and I go on long trips, 10-hour drives, and, you know, longer than that. And I just listen to the pretty little voice on the GPS and it says, turn left, turn right, turn. But if I had to go back and find my way back home, I would be lost for eternity because I never paid attention to where I was going. I never looked for myself. That's kind of what Isaiah did here, always reiterating what someone else told him to do, but never looking for himself. You see, the king had died. First Chronicles 26:16 says, "But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride left to his downfall." You see, I have learned that God will allow you to get frustrated because it's time for a change. I don't know about you, but by the time spring comes, I am so sick of winter. You see, because but every season has a purpose in my life. You know, we get so sick of the seasons, but there has to be death in order to new, for new life to grow. You see, but God says, I want to push you out of the comfort zone today. I want to push you into a new season. I want to push you into a new level of intimacy with him. See, that's what God wants. Isaiah 6, 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, in the year that pride died in my life, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. What in your life needs to die in order for you to see God today? What is it in your life that's holding you back? You see, Isaiah was frustrated Have you ever been frustrated in your life before? Have you ever faced things in your life that pushed you to desperation? You see, I have been frustrated so many times with my walk in my life, with walking through desert times, with walking through dry seasons in my life. But I'm telling you, today is a time for change. Have you ever needed an encounter in your life before? Have you ever gotten to that point? Not just information. Everyone's told you how to fix it. Everyone's told you what you need to hear. But it wasn't in here. You needed an encounter with the one who could change you for good. You see, it's usually in the lowest points of my life that I finally have change in my life. Where I get to the point where I say, God, I've done all that I can do. And he says, well, good. Maybe you'll listen to me now. Because you can't do it. You see, God says, I want to show up and show out and show you just how big I am. You see, I have had those moments years and years ago when we had been trying for 10 years to have another child. And I was so, I had gotten to a point where I had done everything I know to do. And isn't that so cool? Everything I can do. And so... And I took Nate to school one day, and Pat was out of town preaching, and I took Nate to school and dropped him off. And I just started crying out to God and said, I am so desperate. I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. I'm in despair. And yes, I get depressed. I get discouraged. I get in those moments. And I turned on worship in the car, which is what I should have done to begin with. And I don't even remember how I got home. How many of you want to be on the road at the same time as me? So I got home, and I pulled into the garage, and God spoke to me. You have those few moments in your life where you have that true revelation from God, where you can hear him calling your name and speaking to you. And he said, I finally got you where I want you. 
I finally got you to where you look up instead of looking at yourself. And he said, Karen, in the moment of your desperation, in the moment of your despair, stop looking at yourself and look outside because there's someone else that needs to be rescued. And until you get free, they're never going to be rescued. And God sent us to China to bring home our precious little daughter. And in that moment, I was transformed. That God said, it's not always about you. It's about getting you to a place where you'll be obedient. And in that, there is life. You see, God says, I want to change you. You see... He says, I want to show up in your life. Romans 8, 19 says, The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. God says, you would never move on your own. So sometimes I got to light a fire underneath you to get you to move out of where you've been for so long. God says, don't be lazy. Wake up. Get busy. Get moving. You see, so many times, you know, Abby's doing a project in her class with butterflies and caterpillars and, and everything. And there will come a moment in that project where those butterflies will try to get out of their chrysalis. And, you know, and they'll be struggling. And those little kids are going to want to help them. And they're going to want to just open up that chrysalis to let them out. But you can't do that or the butterfly would die. Because God says it's in your moments of struggling that you become strong. You see, God says it's the struggle that makes you strong. I have walked through some hard times in my life, but I would never trade them for the world because they've made me who I am today. They've given me the boldness and the power and the authority in my life that I didn't have before I walked through the struggle. You see, it was in that moment that I realized just where my strength comes from. You see, if life was always comfortable, we would never move. We would never go to where God wants us to go. We would miss our moment. We would miss our moment of freedom. In our life, if life was comfortable, we would miss our moment to lead others to freedom if we stayed where we were. You see, Isaiah's security blanket just got snatched out from under him in that moment. You see, from but frustration always leads to that desperation, that place of desperation. See, when I get frustrated, I do get desperate. Psalms 34, 6 through 7 says, When I was desperate, I called out, and God got me out of a tight spot. God's angel sets up a circle of protection around us while we pray. How cool is that? I love that. When I finally get on my knees, when I finally go to God in prayer, he says, Now I've got her. I'm just going to circle her with protection. I'm just going to encompass about her, and she's in me now. You see, Desperation leads to revelation. Have you ever been desperate? Or maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one. You see, I can tell you story after story. There's things that you would not believe. At the time when I was 13 years old, I want you to know I was painfully shy. Painfully shy. And I was so insecure, so scared, so bashful, so all of those things. And I can remember going into seventh grade in the area that I lived in, you went kindergarten through sixth grade and then 
they isolated everyone in the counties around in this one seventh grade school before going on to middle school and it was surrounded by barbed wire and it was you felt like you were sent to prison for seventh grade and you know and they brought in schools from everywhere and then after seventh grade they sent them off to their all their different county schools and so I can remember there sitting there as a 13 year old little girl not knowing anyone so shy so bashful so and I remember walking into the courtyard of that school almost in tears because I was so afraid. So afraid of what the future holds. What if they don't like me? What if they don't, what if I don't make friends? And none of you can say you've not felt that way. And you know, but we don't admit it, you know. And I can remember sitting on that just praying someone would come sit next to me, you know, so that I wouldn't be alone. And I remember sitting there and right on the moment where I was about to burst into tears, <laughs> sitting there all by myself, I felt God's presence at age 13 come and sit next to me and wrap his arms around me and I felt him whisper to me Karen will you let me walk this journey with you will you let me walk out this journey with you and from that very moment I never doubted that I was alone I never doubted who I was I was still shy but I knew I wasn't alone Have you ever had one of those moments where you just needed God to come in and say, I'm with you. I'm right here with you. You're not alone. You see, Pat was recently with Reinhard Bunke. And he told Pat, he said, this generation needs an encounter with God. This generation needs to see God. They will never fulfill what the word of God says that Sons and daughters will prophesy until they have had an encounter with God. You see, God says, I need to have that encounter with you. I want to have that. We are living in desperate times, times where nations are fighting against nations. It's all a sign of the end times. And how many of you know that's exciting? I'm not scared. I'm excited. It makes me sad for those who don't recognize it, but I'm excited that we're closer to seeing him. But it's times when nations are rising against nations, earthquakes and tsunamis and all the different things, divorce and suicide are higher than they've ever been before. You see, we are living in those desperate times in an hour when the voice of confusion and humanism are so strong and so powerful in our nation. It's infiltrating a, a generation like never before when they need to hear truth. So many Christians are so worried about being politically correct and so worried about offending or hurting people's feelings. Or, you know what? You're going to stand before them in heaven and you're going to have to apologize to them for not telling them the truth if you keep silent. God says, I need for my truth to be told. It's time to be undone in God's presence. You see, God loves desperate people. It says in his word in Psalms 31, 14, Desperate I throw myself on you. You are my God. See, my desperation at times has left me speechless, which then allowed God to speak into my life. You see, there is no jail or prison that God can't get you out of. You see, Psalms 107, 12 through 16 says, A hard sentence and your heart so heavy and not a soul in sight to help. Then you call out to God in your desperate condition. He got you out in the nick of time. He's never early and he's never late. I got the never early part down. But he says, I am never late. 
So thank God for his marvelous love. You see, there is a door here today that he says, I want you to walk through that door and to see my face. He said, I want you to walk through and drop everything at the door behind you. We must allow our faith to rise up today. It says your faith is going to be on display. 1 Peter 1.7 says, pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. When Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. You see, that is what God wants. You see, anyone can dance when they're moved by the emotion of the worship. Anybody can dance when they're moved by that feeling. But what evidence, what residue is left in your life to prove that you've been with him in private? You see, God says, I want you to be moved by my spirit. I want you to worship. I want you to dance. But what's left behind when you walk out the doors after church? God says, what is it that when you walk out that people say, what is that in their life? You see, what's left behind? You see, we've got to worship to know him, not to impress him. See, God's not impressed by anything we do. God's not impressed. It's been there, done that, been through that before. God says, but make me stop and take notice when you're out on display. God says, show me that you've been with me. See, God's looking for people that will declare him above everything else, that will desire him above everything else. No matter what state you're in, he can reach in and pull you out. Ephesians 5, 14 through 17 says, Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light so that with your, watch your step. Use your head. Don't you love that? God says, you know what? Think. Think about it before you do it. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants from you. I love how plain and simple God gets with us. He says, you know what? Use your head. You know what? Get in the word. Read God's word. Listen to what I want for you. You see, because write this down, from frustration to desperation and now confrontation in your life. God says, I'm never going to take you to frustration and make you desperate until you've got to confront some things in your life for change. You see, here is Isaiah. He was alone. No one was even there to get to see him welcomed into the throne room. Don't we hate that? We want everybody to see when we get to, to go in to see the king. We want everyone to see when God does something powerful in our life. But God says, you would never truly give it all to me if someone was watching. See, God says, he was all alone. It was a perfect recipe for a supernatural encounter. Isaiah 6, 5 says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. I am undone. I am utterly reduced. For I am a man of unclean lips. He said, Woe is me. Not everybody else. I'm not pointing out everybody else's flaws anymore. Woe is me. He said, I don't have a mask on right now. In God's presence, I don't have a mask on. I don't have a facade anymore. God sees me just the way I am. I'm fake. God's not fooled by me. God's not fooled by the, the, the mask that I put on every day. God sees you just the way you are. You see, don't complain about what's, what you're going through and what's going on inside you unless you're willing to confront and make a change. You see, 
there is a moment that has to arise where you are willing to confront what has held you back for so long. Wake up, he says. Wake up. Jeremiah 31, 19 says, After those years of running loose, I repented. After you trained me to obedience, I was ashamed of my past, my wild, unruly past. Humiliated, I beat on my chest and said, Will I ever live this down? You see, God says, I want to bring you to a place where you realize that everything in the past is gone. Everything in the past is forgotten. Everything in the past, walk away from it. You see, some of you can't let go of your past in order to see your future. You see, some of you, your past has become your crutch to keep you from freedom. No more. Today, God says, I'm knocking the crutch out from under you. It's time to stand on the word of God. It's time to stand on the truth. You don't need to go through all kinds of psychotherapy and telling everybody about every wrongdoing, every wrong touch, every wrong thing that's happened to you. God says, I want to set you free today. I want to bring you to a place of healing today in your life. You see, don't complain unless you're willing to confront it. Don't complain about what's happened in your life unless you're willing to give it to God. You see, Thessalonians 3.13 says, May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in God's presence. You can't get undone without confronting what you've come from. You can't get undone unless you're willing to say, I lay it all behind. 1 Corinthians 11.32 says, Better to be confronted by the master now than to face a fiery confrontation later. I always tell my kids, it's better that you tell me the truth now than for me to find out from someone else later. (laughs) So, you know, God says, I want to deal with it now so that we can walk through healing so that you don't have to walk in condemnation and guilt. You see, he said, woe is me. He was saying, woe, I am so dirty. You see, God loves you enough to expose just how dirty you are. I always say a true friend will tell me if there's something on my face. A true friend will tell me if there's lipstick on my teeth. A true friend will tell me if there's something hanging out of my nose. You see, God says, I love you enough to expose just how dirty you are so that it can be corrected. You see, what are you refusing to correct in your life? You're missing your moment by not confronting it, by not facing it. Job 30, 20 says, says, The churning inside me never stops. Days of suffering confront me. But look at what Jesus says about confrontation. Luke 12, 51. Do you think I came to smooth things over and make everything nice? No. I come to disrupt and to confront. God is so cool. He doesn't play nice for anybody. He just gets straight to the point. I love that because I am so much a black and white person. Everything is just either this or that. And so, but God never called us to be comfortable. Look at the seasons. You see, as the old dies away, new life comes. You see, but oh, what an adventure. I love the changing of seasons. It's so beautiful. And as we follow through and complete a season in our life, God says, I'm opening up a whole new season for you. Why would you want to stay back there? Why would you want to stay in comfort when there's something so much amazing on the other side? Walk through this season. Get through it. So that I can expose you to the next. But from frustration to desperation, confrontation, and now revelation in your life. When you face all of those things, God brings you to a place. He says, listen, now I want to reveal some things to you. You see, there's that moment in every person's life where you have to become the one who is experiencing 
the encounter with God, not just hearing about it from everyone else. Few moments of true revelation in your life. You see, Isaiah had a personal encounter with God. He was tired of writing down everybody else's encounter. He was tired of repeating everybody else's move of God. He was tired of chasing every wind, every, you know, revival that's taking place. He said, no, right here, I want to have it right here. I don't have to chase a man. I don't have to chase a place. I don't have to chase a location. I want it right here. And God said, I'll give it to you right here when you're desperate. You see, he no longer wanted everybody else's revelation. Secondhand revelation had died. You can't live off of everyone else's revelation. You can't live off grandma's self salvation experience. You can't live off your parents' salvation experience. You see, you have to come to a place where you go, I know that I know that I know that God is big. He's a healer. He's my deliverer. He's my savior. He's my best friend. He's my comforter. He's the Lord of my life. He is the lover of my soul. And when you get to that point, he will bring revelation into your life. He was no longer, Isaiah was no longer just looking and talking the part. He was living the God experience. You see, how many of you in here are sick of just hearing about what God can do? You're sick of just seeing what other people tell you that God can do, and you say, I want to live the God experience. I want to live in a state of being undone. You see, the place where you suddenly have an encounter is the place where you receive his revelation and his love. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither future or present or powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all of creation can separate me from the love of God. But I can. I can separate myself. And God says, Take you out of the equation so that it's just him. You see, God says, I want to encounter you today. You see, I share across the nation constantly to women, to youth, to, to people. And what I realize is what every single person needs is a personal glimpse from their father. That personal moment, that place where daddy looks their way. That place where they know that they have his full attention, his full affection. That place where they see the father's glance and they're changed forever. You know, recently, Abby takes ice skating. And she's going to be in the Olympics. I just know it. And and I'll be sitting there cheering her and can't even get on a pair of skates because my bad foot. And, you know, but she's out ice skating. And she was, it was time. She had passed the level she was in. And they told her, you're ready. We want you to, we want you to test this week. And she said, nope, not going to test. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're getting moved to the next level. And she goes, dad's not here. Because he had to be out of town preaching that week. And she said, I want to see daddy's face when I pass this test. You see, that's what God wants for us. That I want so badly to see him looking down at me as I pass this test. You see, when I walk through this season of my life, I want to see his glance as he says, that's my girl. She made it. She made it into my presence. She made it here. She fought past her past. She fought past all the things that was holding her back. And I am so proud of her. See, that's what God wants. You see, the Father's love is calling you today. 1 John 3, 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. You see, today it's time to catch that Father's glimpse today. I'm convinced that if you get a hold of this, that you will leave here never to be the same. 
that you will be changed forever. But not until you walk through a door in your life. Not until you walk through and said, I'm walking through into his throne room. Into his presence. You see, I imagine that's the way the woman at the well must have felt when she looked up and beheld him. That the small children must have felt when he let them sit on his lap and he blessed them. The way his mother must have felt when she looked up at him on the cross. The way Lazarus, can you imagine? We always talk about how Lazarus got free. But can you imagine how he felt coming out of the grave? I mean, when he walked out and saw Jesus standing before him and going, I knew it, I knew it was true. You see, I just imagine that's how he felt. And everybody thought it was crazy, but it's true. You know, how Peter must have felt when he started sinking in the water and Jesus said, I got you. It's okay. See, I'm talking about a personal encounter with God. You see, we tend to see the face of God as maybe some of us see the face of our earthly father, maybe angry or disappointed or looking down on us and unimpressed, arrogant, condemning. But I'm here to say you need to take another look But because the father's eyes are looking at you with love this morning and such love and compassion on you. You see, somehow between... King Uzziah dying and Isaiah walking through that door, he became undone. You see, at some point he realized he needed to be undone. It wasn't the angels. It wasn't the thunder of the moment. It wasn't even seeing the train of God's robe filling the temple, proving that everything should bow. It was having an encounter with his father. That's what it was that changed him. See, now here's where we go deep today. Because from frustration to desperation, confrontation, revelation, and now it's time for us to be transformed. Transformation in our life. That place of transformation, that is what God has been waiting on for you today. Before you even woke up this morning, I believe God was standing at the foot of your bed going, get up. I want you to be at church this morning. I don't want you to miss your moment. I believe God was saying, come on, the shoes are over here. You know, (laughs) he's saying, don't miss your moment. That's what he wants for you today. Because you see what I love is Isaiah didn't fit into the room. I love that. He didn't fit in with the surroundings. God doesn't use everyone everyone else thinks that he should use or else I wouldn't be here. You see, God says, I'm going to use the wild-haired prophet over in the corner that everybody's scared of, that everybody wants to stay away from. You see, God says, I'm going to use you. Because, see, he, he didn't fit in. For much of my walk, I have not fit in. <laughs> I'm not the typical stereotype that you would think of for a pastor's wife. I don't have any specific giftings or talents that you can really say, I don't play the piano. I can play the tiresome woodpecker, but that's about it. And I don't sing in the choir, and I don't think you would want me to. Abby and Nate say that I sing good, but that's because they like to eat. But, you know, so, but I don't have these gifts that you would think that a pastor's wife should have, but what I do have is a desire to know my father. And a desire to let you know you can know him too. And that you can have an encounter with him. You see, for much of my life, 
I didn't feel like I fit in. And I've been in thousands and thousands of services. And everyone wants the excitement and the passion of the room. You see, and I love watching what God does in a service. You know, I so often I sit in the service, and many times I know the needs of the people around me. And as a minister, sometimes it's hard for you to have your own personal encounter because you know what's going on in people's lives, and you want them just to get one little glimpse of what God can do in their life. You see, but sometimes I feel guilty for standing and watching. But if I can be honest with you, there have been times in youth services and youth camps and even here, I feel guilty because I'm watching because I'm afraid that if I close my eyes for one moment, I might miss something. I might miss what God does, and I don't want to miss a thing that God does. I don't want to miss because I want to be able to say, I saw that. I saw that. It's true. I saw that. You see, if you're like me and you feel guilty about the reaction that you have to God, stop. Because Romans 12, 2 says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognizing what he wants for you, and quickly respond to it. Don't hold back. You see, there was a service that we were in one time, and I don't, I don't believe I've told really... Anybody but Pat and, you know, our family, maybe some of the forerunners this before, but we were in a church service one time, and the worship was so amazing. It was a smaller church and everything, but they were so hungry, and they were worshiping and praising, and and God gave me a vision, and I don't just throw that out there, you know, you know, just like it happens every day, because it doesn't, but I had a vision of God, Jesus just dressed for battle. He wasn't the wimpy little Jesus that people have on their necklaces. He was a mighty warrior dressed for battle. And he was sitting on the most magnificent horse I had ever seen in my entire life. And he, the horse was rearing up and the smoke coming out of his nose, like something you see on, you know, Lord of the Rings or something, you know. And, you know, he was ready for battle and the horse was rearing up. And as the people were worshiping, he would charge into battle. But then I would look across, and people were fidgeting with their purses and taking care of this and taking care of that, losing interest. And it would be like a wall would come up in front of the horse, and he would have to stop. And then they would enter back into worship, and he would charge into battle for them. But then they would lose interest. And I would watch, and people would just lose interest, and he would stop. And that went on and on and on throughout the entire worship service. And what's sad to say is he never made it to the battle. He never made it because we weren't willing to push through and to get there. You see, God says, I want to have an encounter with you. But I need you to come to the end of yourself to do that. My favorite part of this scripture is that Isaiah didn't respond to the room. He didn't respond. He didn't even respond to how the angels worshipped. He responded to God. He was frozen in God's presence. His response was just to acknowledge God in that moment. Isaiah 6, 5b says, My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. My deepest desire is to just see Him and experience His awesome presence and be changed in that moment. Can I tell you that passion is awesome? Celebration is incredible. But I love that Isaiah just simply responded to God's presence. 
You see, it is time for a revelation today. If everyone will stand with me, please. Thank you, team. You see, God says, I want to have an all-consuming encounter with you today. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18 says, Whenever, though, they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil, and there they are, face to face. They suddenly recognize that God is a living, personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old, constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it. All of us. Nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured, much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. See, God wants to have that encounter with you today. He wants to have such an amazing encounter with you today. If you would close your eyes this morning. See, it's time to become like him. It's time to encounter him today. You see, as we become brighter and brighter in his presence, we begin to light the path for those around us who are struggling, who need to encounter him. You see, that some of you may feel guilty in his presence today. Some of you may not have let go of all the things of your past. Some of you may come in and you say, woe is me because I am unclean. Some of you may have come here today and you think, I can't get free of my past. I can't get free of those things that have held me back. I can't let go of what happened to me. But God says, I am reaching out to you. And as you take my hand, it will fall off of you. And so if you're that person, if you're just coming to God's presence, as I have so many times in my life feeling guilty, feeling dirty, feeling overwhelmed, if that's you, just raise your hand this morning. Just raise it up. Because what God wants so badly is to have that encounter with you. And I want everyone in here to pray this prayer with me. If that was you, pray this prayer. Everyone else, pray this prayer. Because I can promise you, I cannot get enough of his presence. I cannot get enough of having an encounter with him. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for washing me and making me whole again. Thank you for setting me free. I want to be undone in your presence. I give you all of me. And I want you to know, as you gave it to him just now, he took it and he threw it as far away as the east is from the west. And you are made whole in him today. Never to turn back, never to have it thrown up at you again. God can set you free. But you know what? There is a door here today. And as we have our eyes closed, I want you to envision that that right in front of you, there is a door a door of freedom, a door of so much that God has for you, a door full of joy, a door full of purpose, a door full of passion, a door that opens the door to your future, for your family's future, for your children. God says, I want to bring your children back home to you. I want to bring them back to salvation. And he says, I have so much restoration for you.
But see, there's that door right there standing in your way. And I know this may sound a little weird, but I want everyone right now, in your, just envision that door right in front of you. And just as a symbol, I know it's weird, but just reach out and turn the knob of the door to let God know you want to have an encounter with him today. And as you open that door, I pray that you feel God's presence like you have never felt before in your life as you realize that he is right there waiting to wrap you up in his arms, waiting to show you just how awesome he is, waiting to show you just how much he loves you. Because you see, I believe that God is telling me this morning that if everyone will step through that door, he's waiting on you just like Isaiah. And as you leave behind the past, second-hand revelation, second-hand everything, God says, I'm right here. But listen, you see, I believe that every living creature needs an encounter with God. And just because you had an encounter with God doesn't mean that that's it, it's over. God says, I want to have an encounter with you every single day of your life. It never ends. He said, I want to show you new and amazing things every single day of your life. I want to open up new just encounters with him every single day. I want to open up new joy, new peace, new freedom, new everything to you. He says, I'm not done with you yet. I have so much more. I want to open up a world of ministry to you. I want to open up a world where your light, when you walk into work, that people will fall to their knees and say, I need to know God. That your life will be a representation of his truth. And so what I'm going to ask you to do today, if there's anyone in here who wants an encounter with God, then you won't be afraid, then you won't hold back, then you will get out of your seat right this minute and walk to this altar right now to get in God's presence because that is what he wants. Do you want miracles? Do you want to see his face? Do you want to leave here knowing that he has changed you forever? then you need to be on your face today. You need to cry out to him. You know what? When I'm desperate, I don't say, oh, Jesus, I just need you. I say, Jesus, I need you. I get desperate. I say, I need you, Father. When the bully comes pushing on me, I know my Father. I know where to run to for help. I know the one that can take me and wrap me up in his arms and set me free. And some of you need to be set free today. And God says, I have what you need this morning. I'm all that you need this morning. And when you walk out of this place this morning, God says, I'm walking with you. I have told my kids when they were little, you know, I tell Abby now that, you know, she's in school. I'm like, Jesus wants to walk with you through the halls of your school. Jesus wants to talk to you today. Jesus wants to tell you he loves you. Jesus wants to help you when you're faced with temptation. He wants to give you strength. He wants to hold your hand as you walk through your day. He wants to go with you to work. He wants you to look at him. He wants you to listen to him. He wants to spend time with him. See, God is calling you to an encounter today. And if you're like me and you get frustrated and you've been desperate, then it's time to confront and to have an encounter with God. That revelation, 
moment is this morning. And so I just want the worship team to start playing and to start worshiping. And I want us, how many of you say, I don't care what's for lunch. I don't care what's going on outside. I need to see God. I need a moment to see God. I need to hear him call my name. And that's what God wants for you this morning. And so right now, I'm just going to ask that everyone just cry out to God and enter into his presence. And I'm just going to give the mic to Pastor Sean right now. But I'm going to come down and we are going to cry out because I don't believe that God says, I'm only here in this building. God says, I want to inhabit your life so that when you walk out of this building that he walks with you and that means he gets spread all over the city he gets spread all over the states when you go back home he gets spread all over because his light is shining in you and people's lives will be changed